<clears throat> All right, guys, we're live. I start everyone with like, uh, I think we're live. We'll wait for some people to join. Um, it's always like this like weird kind of like awkward moment because <laughs> yeah. you don't know how to do it. Uh, anyway. Yeah, we've, we've all done enough of these at this point in our, in our companies with all the, you know, the virtual meetings and whatnot. So it's just, I like starting a podcast. Yeah. We're like, okay, record and go. Um, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll just like give it a couple of minutes. Uh, Eitan, uh, congrats on your new baby. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I know you're sleepy. Yes. Might not be as articulate as I would hope, but we'll, we'll work through it. Yeah, no problem. Um, all right. Why don't we just start talking? Because uh, we're going to run out of time. I know it. I always, I, I tend to blab too much, but um, welcome uh, to another Employer Branding Show and Tell. I'm Nate from Before You Apply, and I'm here with Aton and Elliot from Clear Street. Um, fellas, before we jump into stuff, why don't you just like give everybody like, you know, who you are, titles. We can talk a little bit about Clear Street too, um, and then we can just get into the topic. So, sure. Yeah. I'll let you on jump in. You can go first. I'll model it right. for you. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, my name is Eitan. Uh, I'm Chief People Officer at Clear Street. Uh, have, most of my professional background has been in the talent acquisition space, working in the most competitive talent markets in the world. So mostly within um, systematic and high-frequency trading and high-tech. Uh, so worked in those markets for the last decade plus, uh, helped uh, bring the founders of Clear Street together uh, to start the company and I've been helping grow the company ever since. Um, and that, that's pretty much been my background. Great. My name is Elliot. I uh, run recruiting at Clear Street. Um, I've had kind of an eclectic career. I spent um, you know, the first half of it working in venture-backed startups in the material science industries. So 3D printing companies, nanotechnology company, uh, doing go-to-market sales and marketing commercialization work. Um, about four years ago, I um, moved out of um, early stage material science companies and into growth stage e-commerce. I worked at a large e-commerce property called Wayfair and did a bunch of recruiting and talent strategy work at Wayfair and kind of caught the bug for software enabled growth equity companies and, um, and then practicing talent within that domain. Because I think in those types of companies, uh, the talent department is uniquely interesting because you get a very, very lateral um, view at an incredibly complex and exciting business. And you get to be um, very broad in the way that you think about the business and work without getting overly narrow in figuring out how to make the pricing algorithm or figuring out how to optimize the the marketing cost acquisition for Google AdWords or, you know, optimize like this very specific narrow point of the supply chain. Because one of the things I saw at Wayfair were, you know, there were thousands of people working there and so many of the people had, you know, important jobs, of course, but very narrowly defined on a very small problem. And my brain is just not wired that way. So one of the things I really like about talent and tech companies is that, um, the, the nature of the job is very much to go very broad. So, um, uh, you know, Eitan and I met several months ago. He recruited me in the Clear Street. At Clear Street, we're doing that thing where we have this 250-person um, company uh, that we're, you know, roughly doubling every 18 months. And, um, and that's kind of what I like to do. And uh, that's what I do at Clear Street right now. That's great. Wow. I know. You guys are growing fast. Um, do you want to just like... I, I don't know. It, the business is really interesting um, from like, you know, the first time I heard about it. Um, it's just like a really neat model. You want to just like give like a quick 
overview of like what you guys are doing and then even like if you want to throw out like roles you're hiring for and things you're looking for that'd be totally sure. cool too. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll jump in with a quick description and Elliot you can add any context you want afterwards um, so I think it, it, it's it, we're building a business that's basically building a brokerage uh, brokerage services a platform based on uh, great technology in a space that's been neglected for a number of years for a variety of reasons so it's in a space that um, that caters to large institutional assets, asset managers and professional traders and professional trading firms. And these, 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 uh, th these investors have basically been neglected by the Goldman Sachs and the JP Morgans of the world for a long time. Um, and increasingly with the Volcker rule and increasingly with the, you know, uh, their restrictions on balance sheets. So there was this great opportunity for us to build a business in this space that could one transition how business was done to make it more tech focused uh, and build technology from the ground up um, in, in, in a way where we can provide great service to clients who are being underserviced in the market. So I guess one way of thinking about it is, you know, most of the innovation in the brokerage space has happened for retail investors. It's Robinhood, it's, you know, Betterment, it's all these different, you know, investment platforms for individual investors. But if you're actually a serious investor or a serious investment firm, there has been no innovation for you, right? And so mm -hmm. the banks are stale. They're, they're still running on really old technology and we wanted to come in and build technology from the ground up and really be a, be a presence in the space and capture a significant portion of the market. So that's what we focused on. Um, and so we've been doing that for the last three years, growing like crazy and really, um, you know, bringing in the right people and focusing on the right talent. Um, Elliot, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. No, I think that's a solid overview. Great. Cool. And right, guys. on the yeah. hiring front, hiring everywhere. <laughs> Are you literally not a single team in our, in our company that's not hiring right now. Okay. Nice. All right. Uh, okay. Let's get in, into the topic. Um, employer branding that, that hires recruiters. I know like it's, it's really interesting. Uh, and I'm glad this is happening where, um, you know, for the longest time, especially in tech, it's like, how do you recruit engineers? How do you attract tech talent? It's like, that's where like where the big focus has been on, you know, or, uh, or on the flip side of that, like depending on the, what stage of growth you're at, it's like, how do we get the best salespeople? How do we like get enterprise salespeople to want to work at our company and, and take a leap for to work at our startup? And now the shift has been like, how in the hell do we get really, really good recruiters? Um, the demand for recruiting talent has just like gone through the roof. It's super competitive. Um, I'm, I'm glad because I feel like recruiters are now getting the spotlight uh, where for so long, they've kind of been like in the background, like doing the hard work um, with not enough recognition in my mind. Um, so I'm glad the shift is happening, but now I feel like companies are scrambling uh, because they haven't put in the work, especially on the employer branding front to like stand out as like, this talent function or this company where recruiters are just like naturally like attracted to and like just and want to go work at. So, um, so we can get into a whole bunch of stuff today, uh, around that. But, um, I'm just curious, like from both of you, like, what are you guys just seeing like out there in the general market with like the best, you know, top of the game recruiters, in-house recruiters who are looking to make a move? Um, what are the things right now that they're looking for when it comes to new opportunities. I think this is just going to be helpful for everybody who's looking at like, how do we start creating content and things like that to attract these people? Yeah. You want me to take a stab at it first, Eitan? Eric, go for it. 
I'll, I'll try to answer your question, but I'll zoom out and make an even broader observation sure. around what's going on in talent within tech in a very broad sense, uh, per particularly focused on recruiting. So, you know, in recruiting, like one way to think about the, the market for recruiting is you have your in-house recruiters and then you have, you know, agency, you know, recruiting firms. And, you know, within the agency recruiting firms, you know, there's sort of a mix, you know, you have your contingent firms and you have your retained firms. They focus across different geographies. They focus on different role types, uh, different price points uh, of different employees. They offer different kinds of levels of service. They have different kinds of networks. One of the things that I've observed in the market, which is very interesting, is that there have been a lot of um, recruiting firms that have established investment firms in parallel with the recruiting firm. So like in San Francisco, there's a venture capital firm called Human Capital. Um, there's another firm out there called Sweat Equity Capital. Um, there's a FinTech uh, retained firm called Intersection Growth Partners, which has a like roughly $200 million VC arm. And they'll go to their clients and they'll trade cash-based fees in exchange for equity in the company. And they've also raised um, like a $100 million pool of equity that they directly invest into the company. So like there's a fintech company called Circle, uh, which recently raised, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Intersection Growth Partners put over a hundred million into that deal. Plus they're doing recruiting for the company. Um, there's other people that I know that are heads of talent at some of the unicorn companies and they're off starting small 10, $15 million funds. And when they're working with venture companies, in addition to going and doing recruiting for those companies, they're, they're also doing direct injections into it. When you look across the venture capital ecosystem, Anderson Horowitz, Sequoia, First Round Capital, all the top venture funds, inside the funds, they have these platform teams where the biggest platform is talent and the venture firms are you know, investing in this. So you sort of see within the, the ecosystem that it is for such a long time been capital, 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 capital. Interest rates have been so low there is so much limited partner interest in the venture industry that there are all of these funds, there's all this capital, there's more capital than there are investable ideas. And so what are the people with all the money doing to get into the deals? They're creating talent as a competitive advantage, right? So they can get in just for the privilege to invest in what are the very small number of companies that have the outsized returns for the VCs, right? So I think one of the really interesting things that we're seeing at a very macro level is for a long time, you know, Harvard Business Review and McKinsey and all these people who push out all this business literature have always talked about talent is the most important asset. There's financial capital and human capital. And you got to bring them together and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, Peter, people have been talking about this for decades, right? But I think like one of the things that I've been seeing in the last, you know, five, six years is there, it, it's like, they're just people, the amount of investment and effort that's gone into this has, has gotten really crazy. And to me, I think we're sort of moving into a new era where it really is going to be true that the most important people in the company are the people that are running the talent department. And, you know, even if you look at executive pay and you look at, you know, the CFO always made way more than the CHRO, and that's still true. But if you look at how those numbers have been treading, those numbers, they're, they're, they're getting closer. Right. And then when you move down the organizational chart, you're also starting to see that. So one of the things that I really think is very cool about the whole sector is the whole market is valuing the fundamental sort of contribution to the department in a much more substantial way. 
And, you know, what I would say to, you know, any folks that are, you know, in the business of doing HR, recruiting, culture, learning development, that in, from my vantage point, it's only going to get more and more important over time. And I think there's an opportunity to have really stellar careers for the people who are, you know, the top 5% within whatever their particular field is that they're practicing. So in a very broad sense, I, that's how I see the market. So, you know, at Clear Street, you know, across all the roles, you know, whether it's an engineering role or a talent role, we're always looking for the top 5% of people for the thing. So like for us, you know, what I'm always looking for when we're looking for recruiters, is I'm looking for that very rare set of people who really are holding that very large synthesis, thinking about their career over a couple of decades, no matter where they are in their career, whether they're two years deep or 10 years deep, they're thinking in that long-term way. And then they're starting to build their set of experiences and skills in a way where over time, you know, they'll be, you know, uh, the leaders in their business. So like for us, as we're recruiting recruiters at Clear Street, and as we start to build out our talent management org, you know, I would say the key thing I look for is, is this person going to be the head of talent of a billion dollar company in the next 10 years? If I see that, yes, like we move to hire them. Of course, they, need, they may need to build their experience to get there. But yeah. that is, I think, the kind of ambition that at least Aton and I have as we think about building our team. And when we look for people, we look for people that have that vision for themselves and are starting to put that into motion for where can they go into environments where they can get the experiences and the networks and the skills where that thing can be possible for them. And then from there, there's a whole other set of things that you would assess on. But, you know, the ambition to be the greatest at the thing you do, I would say is like the number one thing that I think, you know, we look for. That was awesome. Aton, <laughs> do you want to add? Sorry, man, I cut you off. No, no, I, I, I think it's, it's absolutely true, right? And I think if you, you look at um, the importance of the talent, the kind of side of an organization has, uh, ha has taken on, especially in a company like ours at Clear Street, you know, we're, we're helping the strategic vision of the company come to life. That's, I think, kind of like the, I want to say that's the, that's, that's at parity with the expectation that's out there in the world. I think what what Elliot's articulating, and I, I think what's important to kind of think about is that as as companies grow and evolve, we're setting, we're helping set the strategy, right? We're helping define what the future of the organization looks like in a way that I think hasn't been appreciated in the past. And you know that goes for that's recruiters. It's all the it's all the functions and talent uh, holistically, kind of doing that in unison. But you know, as recruiters within the organization we're really helping the hiring managers assess and build out and really understand what it is that they need to kind of uh, to do to elevate the level of their output as a, as a group, right? So I think it's, it's really becoming a more strategic role over time. Um, and I think that's, you know, it, it, it's been a fantastic thing to be part of. Um, and I, I couldn't agree with more with Elliot about like what you're, what you're trying to assess for in when you're looking for great talent is, you know, we all want to build out this tree of success that comes from Clear Street. We want to have, you know, a, a group of recruiters and talent folks who come through this organization who, when we look back in 10 years, are in elevated positions in high-profile companies, right? That's, that's I think, the, the greatest definition of success is to leave back, leave behind, like, that type of, like, uh, that type of uh, tree of, uh, of developed, you know, practitioners who can, who can go and take on those roles in other organizations. 
I got to, okay. There's two things I want to just like stop and like one, I just like want to highlight just the mindset of like, this is a place where we can bring people in. We can help them grow, evolve, elevate their themselves as a professional. And then if they move on and they go and they lead somewhere and they do something greater than maybe they can at, all, at our organization, like you see that as a win. You see that actually as like the ultimate win, which is like this mindset that like isn't very common. It's kind of like yeah. we want to bring people in and we want them to stay forever. And you guys are saying like, hey, come in, learn all you can, grow as much as you possibly can. And then if that takes you somewhere else because of that, then like we all win. Yeah. I just like, I, I got to highlight that. I mean, that's, a, but, the, but that's how you get, that's how you get the, you know, the, that's how you get that top 5% off, right? Cause they're ambitious gotcha. and their ambition isn't going to match where the organizational opportunities are for the, you know, for the forever, right? There's going to be, there's only so many heads of talent you can have in an organization. Know, right? yeah. if, you're, if you're hiring everyone who has the aptitude and the potential to, to kind of get to head of talent, right. Has that drive, has that ambition, has that craftsman like uh, focus uh, to, to get there. You know, at some point they're going to need to to branch out to to take that next step. There's only you know a subset of them that can get that step that uh, that that level of growth internally. Yeah, yeah. there's a, oh, go ahead. You know, one of the things you see a lot in growth companies is you see the sort of concept of layering, which is you have a company which is a very good company and it's growing, 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 and because a company is just a collection of people all working together against a common set of objectives. If the company is very successful, like an Uber or a Lyft or a Google or an Amazon, the, the company is a much more complex organism than an individual person, right? So one of the things that happens all the time is that the organization scales faster than a lot of individuals inside the organization, which means you have to go outside to hire other people to sort of bring them into the company to continue to mature it on an ongoing basis. and. I think for us, you know, the way we think about it is when you're sort of looking at, you know, folks that are, say, three to six years in their careers, you know, the really ambitious people, they all want to go and run their own shop, right? But there's a, there's a way, there's a sequence in which you have to get there, unless you're very lucky. You know, if you have a very rich uncle, right, or, you know, if you're like very in on the network and all of your college buddies went to Y Combinator or something, I mean, there are some exceptions, right, where people kind of skip a few steps and they can go do the real big job at the real prominent company because a little bit of right place, right time, right network, all that stuff comes together. But by and large, most people have to earn their careers through a set of cumulative experiences of mm -hmm. successive you know, increases in responsibility at better and better companies, right? That's what most people do, right? But, you know, not everyone wants to go and be, you know, the very, the very top of their profession, but some people do, right? And what we, what at least I try to do is I try to identify people who see that for themselves, right? And then bring them in because when they're doing the role that they're doing, they're going to be awesome at it. And what happens is that they do the opposite of things rather than the organization outstripping the person's individual growth, what you really want is you want people who are so good that they do the thing that's very rare, which is they grow faster than the organization is able to provide them opportunity. Mm. And if you're able to do that, wow, were you awesome at hiring great people. And hey, go help them go get that great job. By the way, they probably won't even need help 
right? They'll go off and they'll go have a great career. They'll love you. You'll love them. Everyone will love each other. You'll have an awesome company and you'll go hire another great person who will go and do their, you know, two to five year stint where they go and, you know, make their career at your, at your company, right? So different companies offer different opportunities, but, you know, companies like Uber, like ClearStreet, like Lyft, like Google, they provide these opportunities for people to make their careers. And I think the thing that a lot of these really exceptional companies have is that they have people in leadership positions who have an eye for this. I don't know how much people really articulate it, but what I think a lot of these companies do is they, they build leadership classes inside their organization and they are able to grow the individual faster than the organization, which is a very difficult thing to do. But if you do that, then you know, not only do the individuals all win, but the company wins too, right? And um, I think that's the way we see it. And, and that's how we sort of go about recruiting for, you know, I mean, really like all the roles at Clear Street, but yeah. you know, recruiting included. I feel <laughs> we could we could cut there, just be done. Um, <laughs> I want to, uh, you know, uh, Aton, you um, you use the word words a bit back about um, being like strategic partners that shape the that help shape the business. Yeah, maybe not your exact words, but that's in the spirit of it. Um, mm -hmm. That is that's rare um a lot of times the the talent function even like the entire like just people function can be kind of removed on an island um not seen as like as that that business partner um that's not the case here how like is that is that a uh I might know the answer to this, but is that, is that like a function of like the mindset at the founder level? Is that something that you needed to like to work to get in place? Like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's really special. Um, I, I think we should talk about it. Okay. So I think it comes from a couple of things. One is I think it, it definitely is founders who are being, who are open to having your opinion in the room, right? Who want you in conversations, who listen to your guidance and want you to, weigh in when they're making tough decisions, right? I think that that's, that's part of it, right? But I don't think that comes uh, from nowhere, right? I think you have to prove to them that you're capable of helping them make good decisions, that you're helping, you're capable of helping them make these strategic decisions. And I think, you know, that that's in my role, that's in Elliot's role, that's in every recruiter's role in our organization is maybe they're not working with the CEO and the CTO and the, you know, the whole C-suite to make these decisions, but they're working with the hiring managers at, you know, kind of the mid-manager level role where they're helping them make better strategic decisions and how they staff their team, how they operate their team, you know, they're able to provide guidance. And so what I think, it, what I think comes down to is you, you need people who are exceptionally curious about the things that they work on, right? You need people who actually take the time to go past the keyword and to dive in and to spend time getting to know people who are the practitioners of their jobs, right? So, you know, you're recruiting for a software engineer. Well, go sit with a software engineer, go talk to them, take them out to drinks, talk to them about why they like what they do, why they don't like what they do, really get to understand some of the organizational pain points they have, really talk to them and get to know them as people, as colleagues, right? And then if you're switched on in a way where you can synthesize and digest lots of different bits and streams of information, you can start to provide valuable guidance to them, right? And then you build this credibility with them that, hey, what I'm doing is actually valuable. My opinion 
you don't have to take it, but it's going to give you some perspective that you might not have otherwise had because I look at it from a different lens than you do. And maybe I can provide a counterpoint to what, the way you look at things that helps you identify the path forward in a better way. Right. So I think, you know, Elliot talked about this before, like to me, the greatest, the greatest compliment I've ever had in, in an interview is being confused for the CEO and the CTO of the organization. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's it. Right. And, you know, for every, for every recruiter, when, you know, if you're a tech recruiter and you're getting confused for an engineer, because you know, the subject so deeply and you're, you're you've gone beyond like keywords, right. You're just, you're insanely valuable as a, as a, as a partner to both the candidates and to the company, right? Because now you're a more intelligent counterpart for that for the candidate. You make that whole experience of navigating that that uh, that experience of going through a job search more 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 thoughtful. You make it more tenable. You make it you make it just all out better because you're you're able to be a kind of like a, a guiding light for them. And if you do it transparently and you do it without this like overly sales oriented focus like you'll actually get the best people on your team because they'll trust that you're giving them, you know, concrete advice. So I think this goes everywhere. I think it goes to candidates. I think it goes to the organization, but I think it's, you know, it, it's hiring people who can really put these, these bits and pieces together, who can synthesize all this information and who have that, that curiosity to try to find out more and to learn more. Right. And I, yeah. in my experience, that's what separated great recruiters that I've worked with is those people who are insanely curious about what they're recruiting for. Yeah. To create maybe a metaphor off what, Eitan's talking about, you know, in a lot of traditional big tech recruiting organizations, the archetype of what a great recruiter is, is someone who's really collaborative. It's like a very commonly used word in tech, right? Oh, they're so collaborative, right? And they're, um, they have really great etiquette when it comes to managing expectations with the hiring manager, right? Or, you know, oh, the candidates just love to talk to them. And, you know, I think those things are good, but I think the thing that I think really distinguishes the people who are amazing are people who take more of a Sherlock Holmes approach to the way they do their job, right? Okay. They're investigative, right? They're like journalists, they're out in the market. Every candidate they're talking to is a data point that goes into a network of information that they're organizing into a structured tree to develop a more accurate market map of what the structure of the supply and demand uh, curves look like for a given role. And they're just ingesting all this information, contextualizing it and synthesizing it to insights, right? And then all of a sudden they're coming up with ideas around sourcing, profile, how to assess that a lot of other people can't come up with because they have more, the recruiter has more data, right? The recruiter, if, but the thing that most recruiters don't do is they don't systematically collect the data, but they don't synthesize it, right? Okay. And the, synth the synthesis is really the uncommon ability that you don't see in most people, right? But in the extremely productive, very good people, it's the synthesis that makes all the difference. And, um, and I think the way you get the synthesis is by seeking to understand, right? Because if you really understand something, then you can go at it with an enormous amount of efficiency and effectiveness versus what I think what most, the median recruiter is largely just always guessing. They're just guessing all the time. 
their whole, it's just a career of guessing. And sometimes they get into a certain company or a certain role profile and they just grind at it for long enough that they eventually figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. But they're doing it from a place of not deep understanding and conscious pattern matching. They're just doing it, right? right. And you know, I think it's that sort of conscious intent that I think, uh, you know, when we're interviewing people and trying to get a sense, it's the conscious intent that I think is very high signal on like whether someone is going to be extremely good at it. Okay. Wow. All right. Uh, one more question. Are you guys okay to hang on for a couple, couple yeah. minutes after? Sure. Is that okay? All right. Yeah. I want to, uh, I want to talk about an EVP to end with. Um, I realize you said you're about 230 people right now. Is that right? Yeah, around there, 230, 250, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere Depends on the there. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the reality is, is like most companies at your stage uh, and, and especially even earlier, like they don't have a formalized EVP in place. Um, even like later stage companies don't, you know, um, but it's something that can be like seen as like, oh, we need to have this in place in order to like properly communicate our value prop to candidates and it's this thing that like candidates are looking for. And I, I, I honestly think like there's this big misconception about that, but um, I know you guys have some opinions. And so uh, talk to me about that. How, how do you feel about an EVP, especially like if you don't have one like fully formed or formed at all at, at this stage and like, how has that ev- either like, I don't know, how's that affected your recruiting? Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll jump in for a second. Yeah, sure. I, I think that, having a fully formed EVP is great, right? It's, it's icing on the cake. It's not going to get your recruiters to do their job, right? It's not going to, it's not going to make great recruiters. It's going to make great recruiters jobs easier, right? So for us, I think EVP is a work in progress. We're definitely, it's definitely something that, that we think about that. I wouldn't say we have fully formed or even, you know, we're, we're not past an alpha, right? <laughs> in terms yeah, of our sure. EVP. Um, but I don't think it's hurt our recruiters' uh, ability to recruit because I think you know what we talked about before is having these curious recruiters who learn the roles, who learn and understand the business, and who can articulate that to candidates has allowed them to be really successful. So I think our our recruiting team has been phenomenally uh, productive despite having this EVP uh, fully baked out. So while it's valuable, and I think it's something that every company should aspire to do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think they you shouldn't look at it as a reason for your recruiters to not be able to do their job, right? They should be able to, in my mind, do enough of the, you know, to use Elliot's word, the investigative work <clears throat> to understand the job, to understand the company, to understand the value proposition to, to candidates and articulate that. And, you know, I think you know, to be, to be perfectly honest, it, it really is something that you should be finding out, like, what's the, what are the, what are the touch points for the candidate that are most important? And make sure that they're a good fit for what you actually present as an organization, right? So when you're talking to candidates, what are what are their drivers, right? I know everyone talks about that, but like how how intimately do you think most recruiters understand people's drivers? Like right. in my experience, it, it's pretty low, right? And I think mm-hmm. that you know, as I, as I mentioned before, like this is an average sales job, right? Like you're really helping people make incredibly important decisions in their life, and you should you should be able to focus on those those drivers and really get to understand them. And, you know, your, your understanding of the organization and what the, what the, the value prop for the organization are should help you understand whether you can meet those drivers or not. Are you really the right match for that person in this job, not only in the short term, right, but in the long term. 
you know, a four or five year window, right? I, I think everyone's expecting and hoping they can hire great people. And I think that this is something we touched on earlier, right? Great people you don't expect to work for you forever because the because yeah. uh, it's just not going to happen, right? But you do want a solid three, four, five year run with people. And, you know, you want that experience to be fantastic and you want to be able to hire those great people. So make sure that, that window of, uh, of, of opportunity and drivers matches up very well for them. But so, you know, I think my, I, I guess my take on is EVP is important, but it shouldn't be like the be all end all that, you know, that, that you're obsessively focused on uh, as a, as a recruiting org. All right, man. Well said. Elliot, uh, what do you think? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if I have anything really to add to that. I, I agree. Okay. All right, cool. Well, uh, We'll, we'll end with that. I, uh, you know, like I, I, I don't know. I, I, I say this genuinely. I'm big fans of you both. Uh, I like you, you both as just as people. Um, I've gotten to know you, you know, like somewhat well, like, as, you know, professionally. But um, I can honestly say like over the last like 30 minutes, you two have just like kind of blown me away. Like, it, like I, I, I don't know how else to say that without sounding like, I don't you know. You say that to all your guests. I, I know. I, <laughs> but I know. I, I, it's just like, this has been, uh, this has been great. I'm just like, I, I just, it's been really fun to just like kind of sit back and let you both just like do your thing. Um, it's really impressive. Um, yeah, I see Brad Clark. Uh, <laughs> he agrees with me. Um, something else I want to point out. Uh, if anybody who's listening is wondering how you create content to attract recruiters, um, this is just how you do it. Like, honestly, it's like you, you, you let the people who are leading the charge, like just talk. I mean, this, this audio recording is an incredible asset to send to recruiting candidates. Um, we're going to get a bunch of post-production clips out of this that I think are going to be really valuable for candidates. Um, it can actually be this easy is like, you just like let people in your company talk about the work that they're doing and their approach to it and their mindset. And you just get like a look inside. And it, I, this has just been a, a ton of fun. I think it's going to like uh, create a ton of value just like out in the market. So um, thank you both. This is, this has been wonderful. Thanks, Thanks, Nate. Thanks Nate. Appreciate uh, what you do, man. Yeah, of course. All right, guys. Yeah, uh, I just want to give a plug for before you apply. Ah, geez. Okay. <laughs> I never plug my own stuff, man. I do it. Clear. The, I, I've been following Nate on uh, LinkedIn for, I don't know, a year and a half or so. He's my, one of my favorite talent content creators. And the thing I was really blown away by is prior to Clear Street, I worked at Wayfair and my whole thesis at Wayfair was you know, branding this whole business, it's just meaningless. There's, there's really nothing to brand. What you want to really brand are the discrete teams that are hiring and talk about how they work. Because the real truth is that in any large company, there is not a coherent culture in that company. There are a bunch of uh, subcultures. And when you're joining a team, you're really joining the subculture of that team. And that's what you want to know about, right? And I stood up a lot of work at Wayfair that was building out little micro brands for all these like different mm -hmm little teams at Clear Street or at Wayfair. And um, some people really agree with me and some people didn't on that approach, but I found it so validating because I saw Nate constantly pushing out content, which was basically completely in line with how I was thinking about it. 
And so, you know, the first thing, almost one of the first things I did when I joined Clear Street was to call Nate to say, hey, I want to give you some money uh, to get some before you apply pages going for yeah. Clear Street. And we've got one up already. And we have a few more coming. And, you know, for folks out there that are in the recruiting profession, I, you should really convince whoever it is you report to, to invest whatever it is to do the before you apply page. Because I, I really, really do think it's uh, an extremely valuable uh, thing and I'm uh, I'm a big fan of what you're doing Nate in a, in a broad sense um, well thank you very much uh, I really appreciate that um, I don't take compliments well but uh, <laughs> but I love the endorsement um, all right you two I'm gonna let you go right. uh, thanks again this is, this has been wonderful yeah. okay thanks Nate all right we'll Bye -bye. talk soon bye-bye